We all need some tolerance from our people that are in charge of our lives every once in a while. We all have a tendency to go astray every so often, but there's, there's an important part of God in our lives, and that is that He has given us grace. So the title of my message this morning is The Balance Between Grace and Faith. <clears throat> And we hear a lot of conversation, particularly lately in the last few years, about grace. And in this church, we hear a lot about faith. And there, there really is a divide in Christianity, at least in America, about which is more important. And uh, there are those who emphasize grace in uh, have the position that grace is from God and God does everything and so everything is all up to him. And then there are those that emphasize faith. And we're going to look at the different aspects of that as we go along. So, um, those that emphasize grace and that everything is under God's authority and God does it all and, you know, case sera, sera, what will be, will be. That's called Calvinism. And they are whole denominations that are, that are built on that principle. And that sort of came about as a result of uh, a newer translation of the Bible that... that uh, calls God sovereign. And there are different definitions of sovereign, but they have taken it to the place that God, every, God is in charge of everything. And everything is God's will. And if something happens, like you hear, you hear insurance companies talk about acts of God, and so they blame tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes and just everything that happens, they blame on God because he's sovereign. So their position is that nothing happens, good or bad, without God's permission. Well, that's not really what the word that they've translated sovereign means. And I'm going to give you some definitions for that. Uh, sovereign in the dictionary is, is a noun. It means king or queen, supreme ruler, self-governing or independent. And the United States of America is a self-governing, independent, sovereign nation. But that doesn't mean that, that it controls everything that we do and say. And uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, sometime back, there, were, there, was a, uh, there was an incident where two teenage boys were driving late at night on rain-slick roads, and they had been drinking, and they were driving too fast, and they slid off the road and ran into a tree and killed them. And so there was a lot of conversation about, you know, well, it was just God's time. 
for them, you know. Bad things happen, but it's all under God's control. God didn't have anything to do with them drinking. God didn't have anything to do with them driving on a rain-slick road too fast. That is not an act of God. The fact is that God is God, and He is sovereign in the, in the, in the uh, extent that He is above all things. He's supremely powerful, supremely uh, uh, in control and all that. But He has made rules that govern this nation, or this uh, planet. And the rules that He's made is that He delivered the control of this planet to Adam. In the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, he gave control of it to Adam. And Adam rebelled against God and gave the control of this planet to someone we call Satan. And Satan is in control of this planet. Now, that doesn't mean that he has to control everything. He doesn't control us if we're Christians. Pardon me. If we're Christians, he doesn't control us. We control us with the help of God and his grace. So, uh, so there's two big pieces to play in this. And I want to look for a minute at Ephesians chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. Which says, and this is, this is part of, well, this, this whole message is kind of a guide to salvation. And, you know, salvation isn't just up to God's grace. So, in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's important two parts. And that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So, grace is given to everybody, every human being on this planet has the opportunity to be saved by the grace of God. But there's something that anybody who wants to be saved has to do. The Bible says that faith without works is dead. So there's something that you have to do that exercises your faith and causes you to have access to the grace that God has already given us, given to every man. Um, in fact, it, in 1 John, uh, excuse me, in Titus 2.11, well, let's go to 1 John first. Which says that he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the whole world. In other words, the grace that we're saved by is available to every human being who's ever lived. Or has ever, at least ever lived since uh, Jesus went to the cross. And Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So... Uh, 
everybody has the opportunity to access that grace. But we have to do something. What do we have to do? We have to have faith. Let me give you a definition of grace. Several definitions. We all heard the old anagram that def defines grace as God's riches at Christ's expense. And that's, that's nice, but it really doesn't go far enough. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is unmerited favor. In other words, we don't have a right to grace. We can't demand grace. But we have access to, faith, to grace through faith. It's a divine blessing. Grace is what God has done for us, independent of what we do. You know, all of us were once sinners, even those of us who are saved now were once sinners. But we're no longer sinners because the grace of God has granted us reconciliation to Him through grace that He has made available to everybody. But we have to make a decision to accept that grace, don't we? So God has already done His part. Grace has already been made available to all men. The only sin... That can, can, that can cause somebody to go to hell is the sin to not accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. Doesn't matter if you were a murderer, doesn't matter if you were an adulterer, doesn't matter if you were a liar, doesn't matter any of that matters. If you're willing to accept the grace and believe that God made it available to you to be saved if you'll only accept his son who suffered on the cross for all of our sins that we all might be saved. Just, you know, let's just think of a minute about the magnitude of that. I'm constantly just marvel and am amazed at God's love and grace that he would do what he did in sending his son to suffer on the cross and die to pay the price for our sin and give us the opportunity with a very simple, God made it simple. It's really simple to be saved. All you have to do is believe in what Jesus did for us on the cross. And if we'll do that, we can be saved. It doesn't matter what we've done in the past. And when we're saved and, and He's paid the price, we're forgiven for every sin we've ever committed, every sin we ever will commit. Those are all covered by the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. I don't know about anybody else, but when I think about that, it just brings tears to my eyes. And 
one reason I think that it took me so long to be saved, which is now, uh, for, I think, 44 years ago. One reason it took me so long, I think, is because I just couldn't believe it was that simple. But it is. Um, so God has already done his part. The only thing that will prevent anyone from being saved is to refuse to accept Jesus Christ as our propitiation. <laughs> you know, there are a lot of Christianese words that get thrown around, and sometimes we even say them, we don't know what they mean. Propitiation is one of those. I heard it and heard it and heard it for years, and I, I had no idea what it meant. All it means is the payment for what we've done. All it means is the payment for our sins. So if we don't accept that payment, then we're destined to go to hell. But if we make the simple act of believing that what God offered us is there and available to us and very simple to attain, we can be saved from all that. To me, that is absolutely mind-boggling. The fact that it requires the balance of grace and faith for us to accomplish all that he has called us to do. So we have to understand that God has already provided everything that we need. And let's talk about faith. Some definitions of faith. Well, not definitions really, but in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says this, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is something that you can't get a hold of physically, but it's something that you can get a hold of mentally and spiritually. And it's, it's actually an evidence that it is available to you. Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Uh, Fabian was talking about the things that we say. So the things we say are important, but just as important are the things that we hear. Our whole mindset is developed by the things that we hear. Now, it may be by the things we read, but that's hearing with your mind at the same time. You're not hearing it in your ears, but you're still hearing it. So to develop our faith, it's not hard to develop your faith. For many, many years, I was, uh, you know, one of those fact-of-the-matter kind of guys that, you know, if I couldn't see it with my eyes or hear it with my ears or touch it with my hands, you know, and I, I was physical. And I, I, I couldn't believe it if I couldn't see it. You know, the people who live in Missouri says, say, have a saying that seeing is believing. That's kind of a motto for that state, kind of. 
But seeing isn't always believing. What you see can deceive you as well as what you hear can deceive you. So it's important that we focus our eyes and our ears on God's Word to develop our faith. You know, faith can be uh, developed just like muscles can be developed. But how do you do it? You exercise it, right? So how do you exercise faith? You exercise faith by doing, by acting on what you believe. And for me, you know, that started out kind of small, you know. I did, I did learn to do that, but it started out kind of small. You know, I'd believe, in, I'd believe for little things. And over time, as those little things came to pass and proved fruitful, my faith became stronger and stronger. And finally got to the point where it was strong enough that I could really believe in Jesus Christ and get saved. For me, that faith developed not only that way, but it developed by hearing the Word and seeing faith in action in other people. Does that make sense? Big example for me all those years was my wife. My wife, my wife had and still has what I called simple faith. Not simple, you know, stupid, but simple, uncomplicated. Her faith was uncomplicated. If the Bible said it, she believed it. That was all there was to it. And, you know, in years past, I kind of thought that might be a little naive. But she proved to me that it wasn't. And she wasn't the only one. You know, we've been around a lot of Christian people for a lot of years, and I've seen faith work over and over and over again for all kinds of people. And I learned that exercising your faith for the grace that God has already provided is not a complicated thing. It's not a hard thing. But it has to be developed or matured. And so it's available to all of us. I'm going to look at Matthew 8, verse 8 through 11. Well, I can't find it in my notes. Oh, here we go. And this is, this is the story that uh, Fabian referred to earlier when he was uh, speaking and about the centurion who had come to Jesus for his servant to be healed. And uh, so Jesus was going to come to his house. And the man didn't want him to didn't want to trouble him to, for him to come to his house, but he said he wasn't worthy. 
But here's what he said. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, do, and he go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. Do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard it, he said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such faith, not in all Israel. And then down in the 13th verse, it says, Then Jesus said to the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed the same hour. Simple faith. That man had simple faith. The fact of the matter is that it, it requires the balance of grace and faith for us to accomplish all that he has given us to do. This may too, sound too simplistic, but I ask you to, to just really listen to, to this for a second and then meditate on it for a long time. It's a fact that it requires a balance of grace and faith for us to accomplish all that God has given us to do. And he's given us lots to do. Not just naturally, but he's given us a lot to do spiritually. We have to understand that God has already provided everything that we need. And it will always be enough if. You know, that little word if is a really, is a really big word. It's always enough if we will just believe his word and be doers of what the word says. One won't work without the other. We have to, well, let me, let me back up a little. I've been studying grace for a long time. In fact, I have another message that's all about grace. Nothing about faith, it's just all about grace. And the more I look at it, the more I meditate on it, the more I study it, the more profound it becomes in my spirit. You know, sometimes it's, it's, it's really easy to trivialize the things of God as we fight our way through this world. And it is a fight, by the way. It's a struggle. But God gives us everything through His grace that we need to overcome that struggle. You know, we're not in this by ourselves. We have a Savior. We have a Lord. We have a Helper. The one that lives inside us and lives in our spirit. We're connected to him, inseparably connected to him. Once we've received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, 
We cannot be separated from him by anything. He loves us that much. That's almost hard to comprehend. Now, I have to tell you that I was convinced of grace long before I was convinced that faith worked. There's a, there's a scripture in, in Ephesians that, that talks about the length and the width, the height and the depth of God's love for us. And grace is bound up in that love. He loved us so much that he made all the kingdom of heaven available to us. So it's there for everybody. But the question is whether or not we're going to access that grace through faith in what he's done for us. What he's done for us is, really is almost beyond comprehension. And the only way we can really understand what he's done for us is to have at least a glimpse of that love that he has for us. That's another thing that made it hard for me to accept salvation way back when, is I just could not believe that God could love me that much in spite of the life that I had lived up to that point, which wasn't pretty. And the way that I received the faith to accept that was, as I said before, sitting under the Word. Sat under the Word for a long time before I was even saved. But eventually it took hold in me. In the fact of my, my bride, Sarah, and her life that she lived in spite of me. In the lives of other people that I had regard for that demonstrated God's love to me when I didn't deserve it. And eventually that all came through. And I began to really comprehend what the grace was about and how to, how to connect with it. I hate to admit this, but I was baptized when I was about 10 years old. Didn't know the first thing about what I was doing. I just wanted to get in the tank and swim around a while. <laughs> it's the truth. I was baptized again as, a, as an adult before I was ever saved. And I thought the act of getting baptized would take care of all that. Well, it doesn't. There's only one way to be saved. And that's by grace through faith, in what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, in the price that he paid on the cross. How many of you here have watched the movie The Passion? Almost everybody. I don't know about you, but when I watch that movie and I see what they did to Jesus, it pains me. It causes me physical pain. Because I know, and by the way, that movie doesn't begin to illustrate everything that they did to him or what he went through. 
But when I watch that, it pains me to know that I am part of the cause for what he did. If it wasn't for us, when we're sinners, he would never have had to do that. God could just have given us his grace because we didn't sin. But all men sin and fall short of the glory of God. So God knew that that wasn't possible. So he sent his dear son, his only begotten son, to live for us, to pave the way for the price that he paid on the cross for our salvation. There's only one way to receive that. By grace, through faith.